life was wrapped around a circus. Her name was Lydia. I met her at the World's Fair in 1900, marked down from 1940. Ah, Lydia. She was the most glorious creature under the sun. Thais! Dubarry! Gabo! Rolled into one. Oh! Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia, the tattooed lady. She has eyes that folks adore so, and a torso even more so. Lydia, oh, Lydia, that encyclopedia. Oh, Lydia, the queen of tattoo. On her back is the Battle of Waterloo. Beside it, the wreck of the Hesperus, too. And proudly above waves the red, white, and blue. You can learn a lot from Lydia. What's that bed doing in here? I don't see it doing anything. <laughs> that is my favorite line from A Night at the Opera. Yes, and with that, we welcome you back at the Wages of Cinema to our two-part discussion about the Marx Brothers. Uh, they just had so much good material that we couldn't fit in one podcast, folks. Yeah. Or or it might just make your head explode full of podcasty comedy goodness. Right. And we don't want too many exploded heads around here. No. One's enough. Right. If we just have one exploded head, we'll be okay. We're like the Scanners films. One exploded head per film. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to keep talking about uh, the Marx Brothers yes. films. And after Duck Soup, uh, the Dark Brothers, they had been working The Marx with... Brothers. Oh, no, sorry. You said the Darks. Sorry. No, they're, they're different. There's actually, they're actually filmmakers called the Dark Brothers, but they make... Very different kind of movies than what you're talking anyway, about. Anyway, if you got confused, I meant the Marx <laughs> Brothers. Uh, they had been working with Paramount for the first five films of their career. Yes. And then they changed to which uh, company? Did well, uh, MGM. Uh, and specifically, uh, the guy who... Specifically. Pacific is an ocean, Specifically. Jack. See, if you were confused if, and thought Jack was thinking about an ocean, then... Specifically, specifically. There. Right. Um, Irving J. Thalberg who later on had the award uh, that was handed out for many years at the Oscars after him. Uh, he was a major figure in Hollywood history, and he helped usher in a lot of you know big things in Hollywood, you know, in Hollywood itself. In, in, that infant, in that time when people were figuring out what are these things called movies, at MGM he was one of the main power players, and he brought the Marx Brothers to MGM. And uh, he, uh, in, over Night at the Opera, he was there with them and then uh, helping oversee their pro project. And they liked him very much. And then he actually died, like, literally days before Day at the Races started shooting. Ooh. So after that, Groucho actually said that he lost a little bit of his love for the movies because he didn't really have Irving J. Thalberg around. Although, I want to mention really fast, there's actually a great, Irving J. Thalberg story that I read involving the Marx Brothers. Yeah. So Thalberg, he would constantly make people wait for him at his office. Like, it was just kind of, he was known for that. And, um, uh, the, uh, and one day he told the Marx Brothers to come to meet for some meeting about the story or whatever. And, you know, he was keeping the Marx Brothers waiting. And they was waiting like one hour and then two. And then it was getting the third hour and the Marx Brothers just were losing it. And so they, pushed all of the filing cabinets to block the door so that he couldn't get out. <laughs> and, nice. um, yeah. And there was some other story too, that I don't know how true it is that like during one meet, he would still, he, he tried not to be late anymore, but he did have, he had this bad habit of like be, get, taking other phone calls while he had the Marx brothers in his office and during one of these times, while he's on the phone, the Marx Brothers just, like, took off their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, okay, from now on, I won't take any more phone calls. <laughs> See, you just, you gotta be creative in this <laughs> day and age. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they started at, their, at a high point. Because yeah. they were riding high from Duck Soup. And Night the Opera, in a way you could say, and this is after seeing... Almost all of their output from Night the Opera onward, it kind of set 
I don't know if they did they have a template before this or did this just think do you think like like made it very crystal clear? Well, it's as far for as those like, of you who, a structure. Uh, first, let me let me say what I need to say about this. Night at the Opera is often said is often said to be the best Marx Brothers film. It's either a lot of people they choose try to choose between a Night at the Opera and Duck Soup. It was those gra- are the two yeah. that that are fighting against each other. It was actually other. Groucho's favorite of the movies that hmm. they did. And there's good reason for that. I believe Mark Duck Soup is great, but Night of the Opera is fantastic. I it, mean, do you decide between Rubber Soul or Revolver? Well, Rubber Soul. Revolver is a great album. But Rubber Soul is more lighthearted. It has it has better <laughs> well, Do you see though the com- like what the comparison I tried to make? Yes. You no, know, because they're both looked both at Both albums as... go pretty well together, but you can choose one of those if you like it. Yeah. Better. Uh but uh Night at the Opera one of the things I like about Duck Soup okay. is that it dispenses with a lot of the template for Marx Brothers films that have come before. Yeah, it has musical numbers, but they but they're they're necessary. They're the first two musical numbers are brief. They're very good. And then the We Go to War one is just is a amazing. giant spectacle which you can't just can't replace. Yes. I, it's it's so great that it overshadows the other two. So when I first spoke about this, I thought Mar- Duck Soup had only one song in it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it. But Duck Soup uh, gets rid of a lot of things. There's no piano solo. There's no uh, there's no uh, harp solo. It, yeah, get, it gets rich and it cuts out a lot of the chaff. And that's why it's a very short film, a little over an hour. Uh, Did, a Night at the Opera is still a really great film. It puts all that stuff back in. Yeah, they, they go back to the formula that they had before where Harpo plays the harp. I forget, does Chico play the piano? He does. Okay. They, uh, you know, you have that romance subplot where, uh, the, you know, the very handsome man and the beautiful woman are meant yeah, to fall in love. That that romantic subplot comes back again. When normal, subplot? Subplot. When, yeah, okay. when Zeppo would have fallen in love with, like, a normal woman... And then, it, and then they would have had like trouble getting together. That's back in, except Zeppo's back, so they just get another guy to be like stand-in Zeppo, yes. who I, who nobody remembers now, even though he was in the next film too. Yeah. Now, but but again, they're just. If you asked me which film, it's so tough because I think Duck Soup maybe works as like an example of a perfect anarchic comedy. Yeah. But the set pieces in Night at the Opera are so strong. They are. That they hold up up to anything in Duck Soup. Yeah. Oh, I will say this about the romantic subplot of Night at the Opera. It's the best developed of all the romantic subplots. You get a feel for who the characters are, and they have a purpose in that film. And and I don't remember who the woman is. I think she's played by Kitty Carlisle. But she's... I remember She doesn't do much, but... She becomes the focal point of a lot of the plot. Yeah. And she actually becomes... Something weird happens in this film. Groucho does one completely unselfish act hmm. in the in this film that he doesn't do in any of the other films. He gives her a letter from, his, from, yes. her, from her lover. Yes. And then he makes a joke about it two seconds after. But still, a very strange thing in a Marx Brothers film. Yeah, like maybe that was one of the... Again... We talk about how it might sound like, oh, you know, it's just a Marx Brothers movie. Who cares? But where they were at, what studio, it's not unlike when certain bands, if you look at, sometimes you look at the history or, or of, a, like a, of a rock band, when they change from being at like their first label or like an indie label, then they sign with like the big record company. Their sound kind of changes sometimes. Yeah. Or they make records differently than they used to. And I feel like that happened maybe a little bit with the Marx Brothers. A little bit, yes. Not it's, at the, not at the start, not it, quite. Compared to something like sound, it's it's very subtle. Yeah, but I feel like the the, the touch of Irving Thalberg was there on Night at the Opera and at Day at the Races. Yeah. Um, then we can talk about the other movies, but uh, yeah. But but let's uh, focus a little. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about Night at the Opera well, before we leave it behind well, because it deserves the talk. Well, the, that that. Does it get much better than that scene where everybody crowds into the room? That is just one of the great set pieces of all time. Yeah. Because it's it doesn't seem like it's a set piece at first. It's just like you know, a couple of people come into the room. Yeah. Then you have a couple more people. Oh, do you want you a manicure? More. No, but you can come in. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then it's like, 
and then like a strange woman comes and is like, is my mother in there? No, but why don't you look around anyway? <laughs> and then they get about 20 people in this tiny room. And then Margaret Dumont comes and opens the door and everyone falls out. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's a great buildup. But, yeah. but there, it's not just that. It's also the one where they dress up as the world-famous pilots with the beards. Yes. And they go to make the speech. And Chico makes this great speech about how they tried to fly across the ocean. <laughs> it's like... We, we are you going to do the Chico voice? We, we make it halfway across the ocean, but we run out of gas, so we have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, this time we take a more gas and then we, we come there and we're almost at the runway. We run out of gas. We got to go back. Mm. And so this time we figure out we won't take a plane. We'll take a steamship. And that's how yeah. we came to America. I mean, <laughs> if you wanted to really dig in deep and try to criticize something, and I'm not saying I'm criticizing it, but just to point something out, that whole bit, it's not unlike in Duck Soup where he has the whole thing like, then we went to about like tra- like following the guy. Yes. Then we went to follow him. He wasn't home. Yeah. Then he went. Then he was there. Then he we weren't. Out. We weren't yeah. there. Yeah. Then then we both went there. Yeah. We didn't do it. I, I forget the whole lines of that. But I, I you know, know what the I mean. one where they're talking about Trantino about how they shadowed Firefly. Yeah. That that scene. Yeah, that's kind of similar to that talking about the plane going back and forth. It's a similar sort of bit, but. Usually it doesn't seem as laborious as like playing the piano or the harp thing because it's just completely entertaining. It's not like you're stopping the film midway in order for someone to have this solo. Now having now having watched all these movies, I will say after a while, I was I did sometimes look to see, okay, alright, now they're gonna play the piano or play the harp. Will it be entertaining? And sometimes it was more than others. Sometimes I did see like, oh, this is a nice piano piece. With the harp stuff, it started to get a little bit like, well, you're not, you know, it's funny that it's ironic that you're named Harpo because of the harp, but when you play the harp, it's, you're looking most serious. Yeah, and it's, but it's, and it's not as if Harpo is a bad harp player or that he doesn't have skill. It's just that it's not exciting to watch him play the harp on film. The The other interesting thing is that as the movies went on, and I don't know if this is from Night at the Opera or Day at the Races on, but there was a point where that it had it was like it became part of like the plot that he would play the harp in some way, like maybe he had to che- he was going to cheer someone up or it was actually there because in the past, like in Coconuts or something, he would just stop and play the harp for no reason, and at least there was some purity to that. I feel like later on it just becomes all right. Let's stop the movie and play the harp because I never feel like it's ever an organic part of the plot. Like, yeah. the only thing that can solve this problem we have right now is harp playing. Yeah. That never happens in a Marx Brothers film. Yeah. Um, now, anything else to say about Night of the Opera before we move on? Because I'm trying to yes. think of other things. There is. Because the, the, cl- the climax is also great. The climax in the Opera House is fantastic. Uh, not just because of the spectacle of what's happening. Because, but because of all of... the timing of it. Everything that builds and builds upon things and but it connects in ways that in its anarchic way is very logical and there's even this little running gag during the climax where mr gottlieb the 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 opera director he's like they've knocked him out and they've gone infiltrated the opera and finally he wakes up and is trying to find out what happened and he's asking people questions like where are they and they're like what and he's like what (laughs) (laughs) he just keeps doing that that guy the guy who played Mr. Gottlieb, I, I know like I have his name recorded somewhere else in my notes, but he's in two more Marx Brothers films. Well, I could look it up for you. He's in Day at the Races, and he's also in Night at Casablanca. Uh, he's pretty good. The, also, the thing I noticed more about Night at the Opera is that it has this little bit of, like, of something else from future comedies. It has sort of that, I, one of the themes is sort of like the slobs versus the snobs. Ah, yeah, yeah. It, when when the Marx Brothers interrupt that opera, it's with things like "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," and they're just throwing the ball back and forth after they've replaced the music. Oh, the actor, just to clarify, his name is Sig Ruman. Yeah. And in Day at the Races, he played Doctor Steinberg. He had a very small part in that, but he has a much bigger part in, a night in Casablanca. Yeah. Um. And, it, you know, and, and just, like, it, it, so many great lines uh, in the movie. I mean, as o- Groucho is Otis B. Driftwood, yeah. which is also just a great character name. Yeah, and he has a really great entrance in this. Almost <laughs> a non-entrance. Here, here's a here's a great line. 
I saw Mrs. Claypool first. Of course, her mother really saw her first, but there's no point in bringing the Civil War into this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, classic. Gotcha. All right, so whether you like Night at the Opera better or Duck Soup, I mean, you really can't go wrong. No, I think if you are going to introduce <laughs> not someone... That, not that it was ever like a, a giant controversy to begin with, but still, you know, if, if you're going to have that fight, then, you know, it's still awesome. Whether you are wanting to introduce someone to the Marx Brothers, or if you're simply looking for an amazing comedy that has aged spectacularly well. Again, this is, these are movies that are over 80 years old. And they hold up better than a lot of comedies out now. Only occasionally are they... Maybe occasionally they, they can be a little stiff or Anachronistic? Have, yeah, I mean, very occasionally. And it'll be okay. interesting when we talk about Day of the Races, because there's something I want to bring up with this, but occasionally there is something that makes you go, huh. But yes. there's nothing that takes you too much out of the movie as far as too many, like, say... Race, racist characters or sexism or anything like that. We'll or, if, that or, if it's, we... or if it's sexism, it's 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 playful and funny in that Mark's way. Yes. Um. So with Date the Races, though, I like to talk about this because I feel like this is one of their strongest movies, even though it has a, a couple of little issues. Right. Uh, I I just found out the name of the guy who's like stand-in Zeppo. His name is Alan Jones. Okay. He again pops up in this film as Gil. He, you know, and there's another couple in there, Gil and Judy. Oh, uh, and Day at the Races. Day at oh, the that races. was the guy. Yeah. Oh, so they were in both movies. Yes. Oh, so it was like a contract player kind of thing. Probably. Okay. Um, here's a oh, before with uh, Day at the Races. Here's a true fact about this movie. And as opposed I'm not to making a, this to up. A, to a uh, false uh, uh, fact. Yeah. Well, those are mm. those are true. Um. The character name that Groucho has, his name is Hackenbush. But Dr. Written... Hackenbush. Hacken, Hackenbush. Is that how Chico says it? Yeah. Dr. Dr. Hacken... Hackenbush. Dr. Hackenbush. I'd like to talk to the man in charge of the records, please. Record department. Just a moment, Chico. Record department. Colonel Hawkins talking. Uh, Colonel Hawkins, did you get a wire from me regarding Dr. Hackenbush? I'm sorry, sir, but there's a hurricane blowing down here, and you'll have to talk a little louder. Woo! It's certainly the windiest day we ever did have. Woo! It's certainly as windy. I want to know about Dr. Hackenbush. Yes? Whitmore, you have to cut out that squawking. The patients are all complaining. And uh, I hope, sir, that's the information that you require. I'm sorry, Colonel. I didn't hear it. I was called to the dictograph. What was that you said, sir? I was called to the dictograph. Whitmore, one more yelp out of you and I'll have you bounced out of here. And uh, I trust, sir, that that answers your question. I'm terribly sorry, Colonel. I didn't hear you. I can't hear you. You'll have to talk a little louder. I want to find out something about Hackenbush. Well, what is it now? Whitmore, that's the last time I'm going to warn you about that yowling. And uh, in conclusion, let me see. I'm sorry, Colonel. What was that you said about Hackenbush? Hacken? You mean Dr. Hackenbush? Oh, no, he's not here. I know he's not there. He's here. Then what are you bothering me for, Yankee? But I want to know something about his Florida record. Here's your Florida record, Mr. Whitmore. Operator, will you get off the line? Hello. Hello, Colonel. Yes? Are you sure you're speaking of Dr. Hugo Z. Hackenbush? Who? Hugo Z. Hackenbush. Who's calling him? The Standish Sanitarium. Yeah, that's where he works. Say, I understand he's doing a mighty fine job up there. I... I want to get some information regarding his qualifications for the job. What job? As head of the sanitarium. Who? Hackenbush! Whitmore, are you calling me? Now, you sap! Hello. Yes, now, uh, now, what was that name? Hackenbush. Hackenbush! Uh-huh. Well, as, uh, as soon as he comes in, I'll have him get in touch with you. Now! Um... His name was supposed to originally be Quackenbush, and you know, uh, you know, he, you know, Groucho thought everyone else thought it was too silly a name to offend anyone. 
But MGM's legal department discovered at least a dozen legitimate U.S. doctors named Quackenbush. What? So for legal reasons, the name was changed to Hackenbush. Really? Yes. And initially, Groucho didn't like it, but he came to love it. And later on in life, he would sign letters to friends as Dr. Hackenbush. I gotta do that someday. <laughs> you gotta make an iconic character and then sign letters. No, I'll just sign them as Dr. Hackenbush. <laughs> My next postcard I'll send out will be signed that way. Anyway. And and you know who will be cool because they'll get that reference. Yes. Uh, so this movie, again, Day at the Races, it's as what you would think. It, it takes place at the racetrack. Um... Here, the thing about this movie, I, I feel like there's, uh, it, it it's like th- this movie has, this is one of their best films, despite the fact that it has an actual plot. For the most <laughs> yes. part, do you know what I mean by that? There is a, well, it's it's like not, they don't usually work too well with plots, and we'll is, talk about that the, as we go. The on. other films had very loose plots where you could jam in a whole bunch of other things, and there would still be a story. No, but, but it, it wasn't all about the story. This one has the tightest plot. Yeah, this one really has a setup and a follow through. It has a structure, and it even makes the Marx Brothers. I don't know if this is more so than their other movies. If this was the start of them really being kind of plugged into the stories, if that makes sense. Hmm. Where their anarchy was kind of used in smaller doses. I think the I I think uh, what this is is something that's good about this that I really enjoy is that all all the all the Marx Brothers play characters who have actual motivations. Yes. So you understand why they do things instead of just to be funny. Well, well, that's the thing with Hackenbush. He he actually has a real he he's he's kind of called to be a doctor on the at this place and he's but he's not who they say who they think he is yeah he's a veterinarian and he has to like really he's not sure how to play this at first and then there comes a point in the story where he's ready to just leave yes uh but he he stays because he's trying to help judy keep the sanitarium yes and because everyone thinks he's a famous doctor and if he ever leaves then the sanitarium is going to go downhill yeah and Harpo's in it. He's not like Chico's well, in it because he all, Chico is in it because he wants to help. He's kind of he a, wants to help Judy too, but he, but he yeah he's a, he cons people, but still he's like I gotta help Judy with the sanitary. And then Harpo Harpo's in also, it to help that horse. He, well, he's isn't he a jockey? He is. Yeah, they, that's how you introduce him. Which you know that's the best way to introduce Harpo as a jockey. And they have a lot of good horse gags in this movie. Yes, I um, and I I really like. I just, I also, I, I just love some of the bits in here, like when uh, uh, Chico has the, uh, the what looks like an ice cream cart, yeah, and uh, he he's, con- he's conning uh, Hackenbush into uh, into buying all of these books, so yeah, that he can place a bet, yeah, but like the way that he's putting it is like, I give you the tip, but you need the book, and the book is one dollar. Uh, all right, fine, one And then he just keeps on getting more and more books until yeah. he just like is about to topple with the books. Right. And then like, and then at the end, Gracho just takes the cart. He's like, "Well, I might as well do this." Yeah. <laughs> now here's what makes it odd for me: the one little thing, like this would almost be up. Like I loved a lot of this movie, except I don't know what to make of that ten minute musical sequence. The Yes. Where where it feels well, it's kind of two, in two parts because it's equal parts. The bland prince sings to Disney Snow White. Yeah, like th- there's like that, and basically you have com- Gil and Judy in there. Start they start to sing a song. Yeah, and the Marx Brothers are this. kind of just sitting there, like oh, we're doing this, and then it's a musical number with black people that's not insulting to them, but it's just odd. And this isn't a Marx Brothers movie, I say this. Yeah. The it kind of Brothers... comes out of nowhere. The Marx Brothers films are kind of unique for their time for actually being... Oh, inclusive. Absolutely. Well, not necessarily inclusive. There's barely a black person in a Marx Brothers film. No, but, but, but... but it's not... I would say that this musical number, it, it doesn't make black people out to be, like, super caricaturistic. No. But it But it also feels out of place with the movie yeah all right the 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 musical number we're talking about it goes on for way too long now i should say though what's interesting this movie 
um, I believe, is the only Marx Brothers movie to get no- nominated for an Oscar. Huh. For what? Um, I believe it was for uh, Dance Direction. Huh. There was um, a lot of dancing in the middle part of the film. Yeah, I mean, it didn't win, but... Uh, yeah, for that... Because the song is called All God's Children Got Rhythm. Yeah. And Harpo is a big part of the number. Uh, like, he almost seems like a magical wood sprite that's yeah. like ga- like leading the whole charge so it's not i don't think the musical number is so much funny but it's it, I don't it feels know what to odd make by it. modern standards and so you're uh, the way i i i feel it i feel about it is that it's <laughs> I, I wrote this down on my notes it's probably offensive but mostly harmless <laughs> uh, you don't you don't want to mess around with it I, I like the way you phrase that Probably offensive, but harmless. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I, the, uh, it, I, it, it builds into this what, musical what number, I mean, which is full of is, uh, black people who are doing being the chorus and doing uh, and singing most of the songs. It, the, and the, the reason why I'm going to stop you and say I didn't find it exactly offensive is that it could have been a lot more. By the standards of the time, it could have been way I'm gonna, worse. I'm going to use a word, and don't. Uh, I hope I don't get a lot of hate mail for these words. It could have been a lot more coonish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to use that term as like calling people. <laughs> and, and by the way, Jack is not suggesting. You no. know how we could have improved this. I'm by using a, more of that. No, no I'm making. Saying, a, I'm. I'm trying to use the context of how people phrased it in the 30s. Yes, it could have been a lot worse, and but. And by modern standards, it just feels weird yes. because it, it's it's very unusual and and doesn't yeah. and doesn't fit very well. Now that we said, the the climax of the movie I think makes up for a lot. It like does. there there are so many good comic gags, like the way that they re like are making they're trying to bide time, so they rearrange it so everybody starts driving their cars onto the racetrack. Yeah, and uh, all the horses go away at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of... Also, the whole scene in the hospital room. Yes. Where they're working on Margaret Dumont. And, uh, <laughs> here's why... <laughs> and they have a, and at one point, they have up a sign that they hang from her saying, Men at Work. Yes. <laughs> it's like they wash their hands and... and they, they just keep washing their hands. And, for, and, and then you go back. It's like, all right, what, what should we do next? And he's like, well, I think we should wash our hands again. Okay. Because <laughs> they're trying to bide their time so they don't have to show like they know what they're doing in front of the real doctors yeah um it's uh i'm just gonna finish up by saying that it has the tightest plot in characters uh it's not though the rapid fire joke machine that the previous films had been no but i would say though that like i would still put this in not like the super top tier of duck soup and night the opera but i would put this among like animal crackers and uh um and horse feathers like that league like i think that for its little faults it's still showing them at the peak of their powers um this is just a side note by the way i don't know if you knew that the band queen were really big fans of the marx brothers Oh yeah, they made an album named well two night at the opera and day at the races oh yeah day at the races has uh tie your mother down i think which is awesome. So thank you, Mark, uh, Queen, for remembering the Marx Brothers. Uh, I feel like the song Bicycle could have almost been a Marx Brothers song. Maybe. Um, see, after this is where things get a little hit and miss. Yeah, you, you, you could, could argue that maybe A Day at the Races is a, a small step down from Night at the Opera. But the next bunch of films are definitely the descending well, staircase well, of the well, Marx the next, Brothers. Well, the, are we going chronologically, you think? I went chronologically. So the next one is Room Service. <sighs> I, I I would actually... My, I might put this at the bottom. I think this was my least favorite. This is a problem. For, uh, be, all right. Room Service is actually weird because Room Service is not an MGM film. No, they, they somehow went off to RKO briefly. Yeah. And made a movie. Uh, why that happened, I don't know. Maybe they were able to... I think they must have gotten contracted because this was a play that didn't start with the Marx Brothers. Like, yes. Alamo Crackers and Coconuts, they, that was their deal. That was start with them. Room Service was actually another play, which years later actually got revived. And, like, Jack Lemmon, I think, was in the production or some other actors. And but, they, but they retrofitted this... St- this play for them and it 
it's just uh, yeah the, uh, it, i got the it distinct, doesn't work for their sensibilities i got the distinct feeling that this was a script that the marx brothers had been plugged into i mean i know that one of their writers uh, uh i'm trying to because because they had a, a number of different writers i just want to make sure i get uh the right one. Oh, maury riskin he wrote a lot of their he was part of their group of writers mm-hmm. so he rewrote the script for them but here's what i said in my review you can't fix you you can't fit a mark's peg in a round hole no uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a waste of the mark it's post. a soggy here's how, disappointment here's how weird it is i mean groucho marx he's had those names like otis b driftwood or rufus t firefly or dr hackenbush and this one his name is gordon miller <laughs> Yeah. That's like if you were watching Star Wars and it was like, who are all these characters? Like, he's Luke Skywalker, and that's Princess Leia Organa, and, and that's is... Chewbacca, and who's that guy? Oh, that's Ted. Oh, that's Joe Smith. Yes. <laughs> that's like, that reminds me of a George Carlin bit, actually, where he talks about, like, how religious names are usually so grand, yeah. and they have such power, like, Muhammad, Jesus Christ and uh, Hezekiah, Hezekiah and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, what's your name, Joe Smith? Oh, well, I'm gonna go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, it's a waste. This film is a waste of the Marx Brothers, but it's not a bad film. Uh, there, there are. It's really just. There, uh, it's really just a screwball comedy that could have been fine without the Marx Brothers. I don't know though. I think that there are things that like that whole, the hotel manager with his catchphrase jumping jump butterballs. Yes. I love that guy. No, I, I love I, him. I didn't like him in this. I, I was he just... almost. He he almost. No, I'm not gonna say he almost steals it, but he becomes. He yells most of his dialogue. He does. Uh, but he's so over the top that I found him one of the most enjoyable parts of the film. Now, I won't say that there's nothing there for you, period. I mean, lines do stick out. Like, there's this point where Harpo first appears and he takes off his jacket and he doesn't have a shirt on. And Chico says, he don't believe in wearing a shirt. And Groucho responds, oh, an atheist, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there are moments, but it... It just feels weird because they're in like the mechanics of this plot where it's like they're the money keeps on like they they're they, trying to finance this play and, and they're they stuck almost in this hotel do it, room but then they don't do it and they can't leave the hotel and because the hotel manager's a jerk and so and they it's have a very, to it's a very complicated plot in a way that Marx Brothers films are not complicated yeah and it just doesn't feel like a Marx Brothers film it doesn't have that even the fact anarchy. that yeah the even, highlight of the movie is a flying turkey. <laughs> I actually got some laughs out of that when Harpo is messing with the flying turkey. Yes. I actually was kind of laughing a bit. Uh. <laughs> and even though Lucille Ball is in this, I almost didn't recognize her. I recognized her. Uh, but she's in it and she's good. But again, this is just kind of a weird film where it's like. It's so stage bound, too. It's like the Mario 2 of Marx Brothers films. <laughs> I actually kind of like Mario 2. See, I like Mario 2 as well. No, but I, I genuinely like that. This movie is disappointing. If I saw this, even in like 1938, I would feel like, what did I just see? Well, I, I do have to admit, I was a little disappointed by it because I realized that it wasn't the thing that it was. But the further it went on, the more I watched it, I really sort of appreciated it for what it was. I, I guess that 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 that's fair, that's fair enough. I just it, it felt off. Yes, that's all. Um, at the circus, I feel like is a bit of a course corrective. That, yes, that was the movie right after this. I think they returned to MGM. Um, it, there is a plot, but it is more about they go back to, to being about the set pieces. Yeah, and this one features a musical number that Groucho Marx would become famous for in he, his later career i've seen he him si- i've seen him sing it as an old man yeah and uh the song oh lydia 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 the tattooed lady which which is a good song but you know what's kind of crazy about that what that show that song pops up at the weirdest moment in actually not weirdest but at the most uncanny moment in the show breaking bad huh. there's this kind of villainous sub side character there's like this not a drug dealer but she manipulates a lot of money her name's Lydia. Yeah. And uh, in like the very last episode, you hear someone's ringtone, 
and it has that song hmm. for her. <laughs> um, it's also uh, Lydia the Tattooed Lady. I mentioned this to you earlier. Uh, Robin Williams sang Lydia the Tattooed Lady in The Fisher King. Oh, yeah, yeah. The part where he's out going out to dinner with that woman from the thing. It's a it's a genuinely fun it? song. Like, yeah. Because sometimes with the Mar- songs in the Marx Brothers movies, sometimes they really work, you know, depending on the set pieces. Sometimes you get all God's children and date the races. This works in context because, again, it's about they're, they're in, the, in the circus. It has a circusy atmosphere. Like, this song could work in, like, a Fellini movie. Yes. Um... Although it's interesting, they reprise the black characters. What do you mean? Don't they? There's a kind of number in this movie where they reprise the black characters surrounding Harpo, and they have a jumpy musical number. You don't remember that? Which one was it? In at the, in at the circus. No, I know what movie we're talking about. What <sighs> song was it? Oh, I'm trying to remember the name. It didn't, it didn't of the really song. register with me. Um. Well, that well, that, that might be the thing. I'm trying to. Re- bring up the name i think uh, i remember a song where harpo is with like a whole bunch of children yeah that's what i mean yeah. um yeah it, it's just uh yeah I, I don't have the name of it off the top of my head it might be called uh roll out the no that's that's not it uh, it doesn't well, matter it doesn't really matter um, too much. The, the point is, is it's that certainly not as weird feeling as no oh god's children i actually even kind of liked in a way the number between the two lovers two blind loves yeah it was kind of sweet kind I mean, of um, but i mean again it's one of those romances where it is dated where bland people have are in love and why and what what, what? I guess white people back then enjoyed seeing blind people, or that's what Hollywood thought they liked seeing when people in love. Um, yeah, here's I got here's anytime my favorite. Harpo's near an animal, yes. it's funny. Okay, whether they're in a suit or not. Yes, and here's uh, here's my favorite Groucho line from this. He's trying to get the money back from the acrobat. And, I know where you're going with this. And yes. so she she takes the wallet and puts it down her blouse and goes up on the trapeze, and he says. There must be some way to get that money without getting in trouble with the Hayes office. <laughs> I cracked up. That is one of the biggest laughs I've had in years. It's one of those great moments where Groucho breaks the fourth wall. That's And it, uh, and it works because also, if you look at their history, I mean, the, the, those first five films were made pre-Hayes Code. Yeah. And then everything else after was that. And yet by making that joke... That almost does the trick. Yeah, Because you know what he's referencing without him even having to reference it. So it's even funnier. Yeah. I love that bit. Thank, I'm glad you, you pointed that out, too. Like, the movie, it's not great. No. But it does the job well enough. The problem with this movie is that it starts... Is that the set pieces really become ridiculous and start to become excessive. It gets a little it, it childish gets, near It gets the end. really silly at the end when Margaret Dumont is being shot out of a cannon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed. <laughs> I did enjoy Margaret Dumont in this up to a point. She didn't. She doesn't come in until the middle the of this half, film, yeah. and then it's finally like, all right, the old joke punching bag is back. We can yeah. finally get some good insults. Also, and they bring like, they bring back the funny names though. Yes, because his name is Jay Cheever Loophole. Yeah. Oh, another one from Groucho. I drank champagne from your shoe. Two quarts. So. <laughs> I bet the first I bet your father spent the first year of your life throwing rocks at the stork <laughs> <laughs> that's a good oh I want one more to send out to you um, uh, the last time I stood on the ceiling was at the, a lodge meeting the chairman had oh, the floor that's a great scene too where he's on the ceiling in the shoes yes that's very funny um, operator operator give me the steamship Normandy where is it it's in the water <laughs> So, now, I did not, unfortunately, I, I just didn't have the time. I didn't get to see their next two movies, which I believe were their last two at MGM. Uh, uh, the Big Store and Go West. Or I think the Go West came first. Well, uh, I... From, now, from what I've, now, I'm curious to know. Here's my question. Go West came first, yes. From what I've heard, these two movies are cited, for the most part, from what I've read in reviews and from just people talking about them these are considered two of their weakest films they're pretty weak uh 
you know, it's again... They're even, saddled with the plots. Even even though this takes place in the Wild West, there's still a harp solo. <laughs> yeah. the, through the most improbable of ways. It's kind of... Again... Here's the weird thing with Marx Brothers films. These the last these last few are getting kind are getting kind of tired. Yeah, because... but I, I do want to say some good things about Night Casablanca when we get to it. Okay, but the thing is, again, the the climaxes are getting taken over by these big spectacles that are just kind of silly. So in Go it, West, it, is it like does it set in the old West? Yes, it's actually. It's a Marx Brothers film that is technically a period piece. Interesting. It's kind of weird. Uh, it starts off really strong because it has clever banter and like every you know the writing in Marx Brothers film is is really great. Anytime you let the Marx the jokes Brothers, are great. Anytime you let the Marx Brothers be the Marx Brothers, it's it's awesome. Like it's it's when you try to saddle them with stuff that they get a little constricted. Yeah. Here's a line from Chico. Uh, uh, I'm gonna quote Chico this time. I'd like the West better if it was in the East. So uh, well, you should see gangs in New York. Yeah, but it's again, if you the plots seem to be being transposed on just these different locations and circumstances. Yeah. Again, the romance. Again, oh, we got to get some money. Again, yeah, it's always about like it's we, always about romance. We either and gotta money. get we either gotta get money or. Some money's been stolen. Yes. That we need to help get back. Or we can't pay the rent or something like that. <laughs> and then the Marx Brothers, who are completely in it for themselves, decide to help these people. This is just a side note, but I was listening to some... I was in the, listening to an interview with this guy who uh, lived with Groucho Marx the last few years of his life. And they, he did kind of in like a Groucho voice, like, We had to do it because Chico needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so are they both in that same league? Are they that much different? Well, basically, they're about the same thing. The The sequence at the end with the train is actually pretty good for an action in sequence. In Go West? In Go West. Okay. And that's okay. Uh, the thing with the big store... I heard that in Go West, uh, Groucho plays the guitar. Does he? I don't know. Do you remember? I don't remember it happening. Oh, okay. You may have just dreamed it. <laughs> Here's the big problem with this. The Big Store is a very lame title. You know what it is, though? The Big Store, is that, that's, that was actually... Again, this is something that hasn't dated well because this was a thing back in you know the 30s and 40s. But the Big Store actually had like a double meaning back in the day. Like The Big Store, almost in its way, had a meaning like The Big Sleep. Um... <clears throat> because, and I learned this from the trivia of the movie, that, uh, there's a good name, by the way, Wolf J. Flywheel. Yes. Um, the, uh, I actually have two stories I like to tell about this, but first, but to just clear this up, this used to be jargon for con artists. Like, they would use, like, a facility that was used by con artists in a big con would be called the big store. Okay. So... You know the big cell. The big store itself exists to be dressed up, like for example, a brokerage or a gambling house, depending on the con. Um, so I don't know if that was at all played into the movie. May well were they trying to play, use that double meaning? I don't. Not really, because I mean, basically, Groucho is just trying to con people into thinking he's a great detective, so yeah. he can get this job. But I mean, it's no different from anything else Groucho does. Mm. I. The other weird thing about this film is that. It starts out really serious. Does it? With, like, murder and <laughs> plots oh. to kill people. I mean, before it was just, let's steal the money so Is that it... they can't pay the rent so we can cheat these people. And it's like, no, we're actually trying to kill the bland man Ooh. who is in the relationship with uh, the other bland woman. Oh, boy. And it's just like, Jesus, guys. Yeah. What's going on? So the plot kind of overwhelms the the uh, the, the gags. And well, not really. Lines. It's just that it's like, they're, they're go the the villains are going to such great lengths to, to just kill people at this stage and then it's like and meanwhile we have the the marx brothers just doing their thing and they're like and we as viewers are going like come on guys this is serious let's get to work yeah but yeah well, and then at the end it becomes the climax just becomes really silly again 
because they're they're running through the store trying to get away and then like they get on unicycles and it's should be great but it's just plays too long yeah and it, it just becomes another big spectacle that it's like come on let's let's wrap it up it almost yeah. it seems like as you said, it just seems silly for them to keep do, to have sequences like that. Yeah, I mean, I again, there were some there's some silly stuff in at the circus, and I did find some funny again, something about Harpo having a bit with a guy in a gorilla suit. I just think it, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's funny. Yeah, but then when it's but like, if it goes too, but far, then when you have like three characters swinging swinging from a trapeze, and the whole thing is like, oh, look at all these people on the trapeze. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they were playing it more for kids. I don't it know. still doesn't make it good. I do have a story, though, to tell you before we move on to the last two movies. Um, so, a bit of history for you. Yeah. So, Winston Churchill was watching a private screening of this movie, and the news that Rudolf Hess had flown to Britain on an unauthorized mission to end the conflict between Britain and Germany during World War II happened. And Churchill decided that the news was so unimportant, he ignored it. Oh. And he actually said, he went back into the screening room and presumably said, all right, forget about Hess, I'm going to go watch the Marx Brothers. Nice. <laughs> That's still a weird moment in World War II. No one really understands what happened right there. Yeah. I... <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was kind of interesting, that he got that news while he was watching the big store. Now... We'll move on to a night at Casablanca. A night in Casablanca, sorry. One night in Casablanca. And this is United Artists, actually. Yeah, no, well, the the thing was, again, the big store, you look, you think that, okay, well, they just made this movie after the so-and-so time. But no, you look at the years. They made, like, from Day at the Races to the big store, they didn't have a break. They made a movie per year. Then World War II happens, and I don't know, maybe they had to, I don't know what they were doing during those years. Maybe be, they did war stuff. Maybe they were going on tour, maybe they were doing promotional things, maybe. Selling war bonds, whatnot. Yeah, that's what people did during that time. I think they were probably too old to fight in the wars. Yes. I by that point. I don't think you were going to see, like, Private Chico. <laughs> no, I mean, well, also, you weren't going to see them do, like... Where, where do you, we... you weren't going to see them do, like, Frank Capra and John Ford, where they made war movies. No. Um, where do we go next, Colonel? They already <laughs> made their statement on war in Cold Duck Soup. Right. But no, then Night Casablanca, they actually decided, okay, we, uh, we, we want to make another movie, but this time we want to have control over it. So this time they actually put their own money into the movie. Hmm. Um, they wanted more control over it. They even went on tour briefly, like to perform some of their routines on stage, which is what they actually did for a lot of their early films to try to test out material. Like they did that for night, the opera and day at the races. So they would actually perform some of the bits in front of audiences before they refined it to shoot it. So I think they did that for this movie. Um, and I actually like this movie a bit. I think that this, to me, is a return to form. Thank you so much. Oh, they're lovely, just beautiful. Mm. Oh, these roses, I shall keep them forever. That's what you think. I only rented them for an hour. Oh, Monsieur Cornblow. <laughs> Call me Montgomery. Is that your name? No, I'm just breaking it in for a friend. How about getting rid of that mutt? Oh, Fru-Fru's a watchdog. Well, let him watch somebody else. Fru-Fru oh, won't bother us. He has such good manners. If he had such good manners, he'd get off your lap and give me a seat. He can stand up better than I can. He's got twice as many legs. Well, très bien. I was afraid of that. Hold everything. Who is it? Hey, boss, you got a woman in there? She lives here. Yeah, but you don't. She'll have to get you out. Remember, I'm your bodyguard. I'm too old to have a bodyguard. Then you're too old to be in there. Well, it's pretty logical at that. 
We'll go to my room. Get on the back way. I'll meet you there in five minutes. Oh, no, but what about Fru-Fru? You wouldn't want me to leave my little Poochie Gucci. I'll meet you halfway. Bring the Poochie and leave the Gucci here. All right. Like, now, is it great? No. It's but step, I like it. It's a step up from Go West and and uh, the big store. I mean, Groucho is constantly wisecracking. Right. She goes interpreting and scheming, and Harpo's Harpo. Yeah. That's what you can ask for. I mean, there is a plot. There is kind of an espionage thing. Right. Um, there was also this story which got blown out of proportion where, uh, allegedly at the time, like Warner Brothers wanted to sue for just having the title Casablanca. And uh, that doesn't work. No, no, but that wasn't true though. Like oh, yeah. it later got disproven. I wished it was true. Um, I mean, yeah, it's obvious that some of the bits come from other movies. I mean, the whole scene and they have this scene on where they're in this they're in this nightclub or rest restaurant, and people are dancing, but people are also sitting. But then they keep trying to crowd people in to uh the, the floor to get tables so they keep putting more tables out on the dance and it's floor. and it's a redux of that scene from night at the opera i still found it funny yes it's still funny and the sequence i like in this is the one where they're packing the trunk oh when was that scene the yeah stu- yeah okay the the nazi is trying to get away with all the gold yes. that they've hidden and he, he's packing it yeah stuff and, and the they're, they're packing it out yeah and they're as, unpacking the, as he's it. trying to pack it in they're they're pulling it yeah yes i like that um there are little callbacks that i thought were interesting um they they use the blue danube at a certain point and they use that in another movie i noticed mm-hmm. and uh i felt like they were even calling back a little bit maybe to animal crackers uh, because Harpo stumbled over a particular painting, and it didn't—it looked like a copy. I thought that was a callback, maybe. Okay. So I don't know that there are a lot of great. Uh, there are just a lot of good lines in this movie too. Um, the climax is kind of ridiculous. It is, but I actually found it kind of fun. I actually got into that a little bit, where they're like trying to fly away on the plane and right. they're uh, causing havoc. Havoc. Um, they give enough equal time to. Uh, uh, the characters, um, uh, his name is not great, not as great as some of the other names, but it's better than Gordon Miller. His name's Ronald Cornblow. Yes. With a K. Uh, here's a line from, it's a funny thing. I've met a lot of pinup girls, but I've never been able to pin one down. <laughs> <laughs> um, the elevator is stuck between the fifth and sixth floors. This could only happen to me. <laughs> I like that bit. See, to me, like, it, it tried. I felt like they were trying to return to the sensibility of their earlier films. Yes. Now again, were they a hundred percent successful? No. no the, but I think it's better than their. I think it's better than at the circus or room service. Yes. And I think that it was. It almost felt like when you watch like a classic rock band and they put out a new album, and it kind of reminds you of some of the songs that they had before and. It's kind of fun. And it's better than the crappy album they just put out before. Yes, this is not, uh, if like, this is Neil Young coming back with Crazy Horse and doing something awesome. This is not Neil Young doing like some string selections of his songs. And I know I'm going off on a tangent here. So I don't know, so so you like it okay? Yeah, I mean, the other thing I like about this is the thing that has over the great big store is that the the villain of this, his name is Stubel. Yes. And he... He's villainous because he's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he tries to do things like kill people, but it ends up humorously. Mm-hmm. And he's just basically trying to steal stuff and leave Casablanca. Yes. It's not like I'm trying to murder a man so I can take his store away. It's, yeah. Even though he's a, even though this guy's a Nazi, it makes better sense for this film than the villain of the big store did for that film. Yeah, I mean, does it involve once again some stolen stuff? In this case, stolen treasure. Yeah. Yeah, but but it left enough room for the Marx Brothers to really be the Marx Brothers in a way that I think is important. Like it didn't make it too serious. The the gags and lines mostly work. Um, it felt like it had good writers for them, like, and they were letting all three of the brothers do, do stuff. Um, so, you know. And the, and the couple in this is yes. just out of sight long enough for you to forget about them. Yeah, I almost forgot that this has even had a couple. Um, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Again, it's not a great movie, but I think like if it's on TV, I would watch it. If it was, uh, I would at least watch it for a little bit. I, I'd watch Go West again if it was on TV. Really? It has some, that has some really good jokes. It's just not, it's just not the the best uh, fi- uh, plot or film. Yeah. And uh, so I, and now Andrew didn't get a chance to watch this, but I also watched their final movie. At least billed as the Marx Brothers, yeah. called Love Happy. Um, it's it's weird to talk about this because I just watched this today. Um, it it's the last movie to feature all three Marx Brothers in top billing. Yeah, but there it's not. It, it's a little bit of a marketing trick. How so? Well, Groucho. This is a ninety-minute movie. Groucho is in at best ten minutes of it. Oh, jeez. So it was, and I actually read up on it a little bit more. This originally started as a movie just for Harpo. And. That's weird. And then, but then the, 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 the distributors got a little nervous and they wanted like the other brothers. So they got Chico in and Chico basically functions as Chico does. And, but, but Groucho got pulled in and he's like, the, the, the plot of this is that it takes place. Once again, we return to the theater so let's go back to the material from room service, guys. Yay! And um, this time, yeah, it, well, what do you expect? Just like room service, we got uh, um, people trying to put on a musical, and there are money problems. And um, this time there's, like, this crooked woman who is, like, a, almost like a femme fatale or something. And um, it... Here's the thing. If you like Harpo, Harpo is, you know, he, he's... He's delightful, you know. He, he but if you he, like Harpo. He's in it. Yeah, he's in it a lot. Um, you know, and he uh, he does a lot of wonderful things. Like he, uh, there's a scene where an actress asks Harpo to be his manager, and he minds becoming like the big shot. And so like he puts his feet up on a can of rubbish in the park, <laughs> which you know because it says rubbish. And then he minds being on the phone with multiple agents and doing little things like that. And but. I liked having the Marx Brothers interacting with each other. Yeah. And you don't get that here. Everything is separate. Groucho narrates part of the movie. What? He appears at the beginning as... A, he, he plays like a detective. And he appears in like... I thought... I was like, oh God, where's Groucho in this movie? Because this is mostly Harpo bits. With Chico sometimes coming in doing like his, his Chico thing with Harpo. But it's mostly a Harpo movie. Yeah. That they build as like a Marx Brothers movie, and it—it's it, kind of like and actually Groucho is kind of a funny name. His name in the movie is uh, oh, and actually it's not a great name. His name's Sam Grunion, and he's actually billed as Detective Sam Grunion, narrator of the story. That's not. And Harpo is just billed as Harpo. Chico has a kind of cool name. His name is Faustino the Great. So that's kind of funny. And yet when Groucho comes in the movie, he is funny. Um, A bit of history is that um, if you want to ever, if you ever get this at Trivia Night, just remember, folks, if if the trivia question is what movie has the Marx Brothers, Raymond Burr, and Marilyn Monroe, love happy. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, this was Marilyn Monroe's first movie. She's actually credited on the DVD cover, the the Marx Brothers and Marilyn Monroe. She has, like, 30 seconds of screen time. And actually, she does have a bit with Groucho, so it's kind of cool that you get to have a moment in cinema between Groucho Marx and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. It's a little too brief. Um, so, but that, it's kind of, it's, it's weird for me to talk about because, like, if you act, if you ask me objectively, this isn't a, as good a movie as I would say. Like, it's definitely one of the lesser ones. But the, when they do click, the actors do click, and I did like Har- I did like Harpo a lot in this. But it also had that problem of just I want the Marx Brothers interacting with each other, and I feel cheated if you're billing your movie as having the Marx Brothers and Groucho appears narrating little bits of the action and breaking the fourth wall, and then he only shows up as a character as this detective in the last ten minutes of the movie. You know what idea I just had? What you have a film noir. Where Groucho Marx is a detective and he just narrates it, all of his internal thoughts with just jokes from about what's going on. Yes. 
Um, of course, while he's talking <laughs> in it, of course, while he's in the scene, he's also telling jokes. But now we have twice the jokes. Yeah. I mean, again, in Groucho, when he is on screen, he's able to have some good lines. Like, uh, at one point, some character, like, the, the villainous character pulls a gun on him. And he says, oh, no, I'm not going to follow you and get shot. If I was half shot, I'd follow you. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny. But it, I mean, again, it's, we have cheese. It this is a has, Marx Brothers guess film what? in the most technical way. And guess way. what? It has Chico on the piano. And uh, it has Harpo on the harp. And so, Groucho on the grouch. <laughs> Groucho is in the, the can with Grouch, uh, Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just... There's there's once again another loony and half-baked plot and involves stolen diamonds and a can of sardines. Sure. And... It, I think that if if you asked me, is it better than room service? Yes, but not by much. Like this almost felt like I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna break your heart almost saying this. Okay. I felt like this was like the Phantom Menace of uh, Marx Brothers movies. <laughs> now the thing is, I don't hate the Phantom Menace as much as other people. Like I actually like some parts of it. I hate it much more than other people. Yes, no. but it. But it is, like, has a whole lot of problems. This felt like that. This is like, oh, you guys got to get out of here. You're done. And it's weird because there's actually some talented people behind it. It was co-written by this guy, Frank Tashlin, mm-hmm. who wrote a movie I like a lot called uh, The Girl Can't Help It. Yeah. It's uh, a pretty well-known rock and roll movie from the 50s. Yeah. Uh, with the... Uh, Little Richard, I think, and Fats Domino, and it's a very charming, fun '50s comedy. But this just, again, if you if you're somebody who just loves Harpo, but the, I, for me, I, I thought about this while I was watching the movie. You know, as much as I love Harpo, if you had to make me, if you had to ask me, I think Groucho is my favorite. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. So if you're giving me a Marx Brothers movie. And it, it's mostly Harpo with a tiny bit of Groucho. That's not that's not good, guys. No, it's like it's like a teaspoon of mashed potatoes with a ladle full of gravy over it. Yeah, it's <laughs> huh. that's an interesting comparison. <laughs> yes, I am a master of food metaphors. Yes, um, so that, that's the, the the cinematic career of the Marx Brothers. Like I know that they came and did little comic bits here and there i think on tv but that was pretty much their film career groucho went on to do uh you bet your life everything that's worth mentioning yeah i mean again they made 13 movies and for the most part they're they're funny yes not not too much dead weight and never a repeated joke no, well, I wouldn't. Except say maybe that. once. No, well, do you do you mean with Night at Casablanca now? No, because I think then you could say two earlier on. They re they re, they they totally reused the joke from Night at the Opera and Night at Casablanca. Nah, I I think I don't think two. you're right. No, but no, no, but mostly like you know you you just le- unleash these forces of comic nature in your movie and. Nine, nine times, I won't say nine times out of ten, but seven times out of ten, you'll win. So right. you know they're 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 legends for good reason. So all hail the Marx Brothers. Hail. Yes, and uh, if you enjoyed our Marxist discussion, <laughs> I was going to end with that line. I should have told you. Um, uh... If you enjoyed our Marxism tonight, uh, send us an email: wagesofcinema at gmail dot com, and uh, follow us. Rate us on iTunes. It helps our presence and gets us seen. I know you're listening out there, people in China and Thailand. I I know you're out there because I see the stats. So give us a rating if you like us. One of you people listening to us on your iPod or your iPad or whatever it is, and help us out. It really would we'd really appreciate it. And we'll read your review on the air. How cool is that? We'll read it, and you can be immortalized on our podcast. Yes. So. With that, uh, next time we will come back and talk, talk about, about movies. Same thing. Oh, gee. But different gee. movies. Gee, Andrew, what do you want to do tonight? Yeah. <laughs> the same thing we do every night, Jack. Time to take over the movie world. So for The Wages of Cinema, I'm Andrew. I'm Jack. And The Wages of Cinema is dead. <laughs>
Come along and see Buffalo Bill with his lasso. Just a little classic by Mendel Picasso. Here is Captain Spaulding exploring the Amazon. Here's Godiva, but with her pajamas on. La, 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 Here is Grover Whalen unveiling the Trilon. Over on the west coast, we have Treasure Island. Here's Najinsky doing the rumba. Here's her social security number. Once swept an admiral clear off his feet. The ships on her hips made his heart skip a beat. And now the old boy's in command of the fleet. For he went and married Lydia. I said Lydia. He said Lydia. They said Lydia. We, we said, said Lydia. Lydia. La, la, 